Okay, today's episode is going to be really fun and a little bit different. I have Allie Fender, the Flying F Ranch Wife, joining me today. And Allie is a fourth-generation cattle producer in the San Diego area. You heard that right. The San Diego area is where her and her family are currently ranching and have been for the last several generations. I'm really excited for you guys to hear about their family ranching history and what they have in store that her and her husband are working on now. So in this episode, we talk all things beef and brews and what it's like to ranch in this beautiful area. So let's head on into our episode. I will apologize in advance. My audio is a little off. So I sound like I'm talking into a coffee can. Not sure what happened there, but Allie sounds great and that's all that matters. So let's head on into her episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear more about her and her husband's story. Welcome to the Ranching Brunette Podcast. I am your host, Logan Robinson, and this is the podcast for aspiring first-generation ranchers by an aspiring first-generation rancher with one goal in mind, to get America ranching again. Hey, Allie, thank you so much for joining me on the Ranching Burnett podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. I am so excited too. Thank you so much for asking me to join you. Absolutely. I'm so anxious to hear about your ranching journey. I know you are a fourth generation cattle producer in San Diego, which to our listeners may sound odd in the same sentence. And on your blog, you mentioned that you and your hubby start came in the form of a very unique wedding gift. Will you share with us how it all began from the very beginning? Yeah, so I'll kind of share like my background, history, and whatnot. I am a fourth-generation rancher or fourth-generation cattle producer in San Diego County. And basically what how we even got here was my great-grandparents traveled over here from Switzerland. And they came over here because they already had family that um, had some dairy ranches in the area. And so they came over here because they already had a job and they needed help out here. So that's kind of how my family originally came over here was because of the dairy industry and the dairy business. And I think they came over here originally, I want to say like late 1800s or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we've been here for quite a while and basically in the same spot too, which is cool. So that's kind of how we got here in the first place. So I grew up on the dairy and at the same time, my grandpa had beef cattle on the, on the ranch too. So it was kind of like a dual type business that he had going on with the dairy ranch. It was very hard. I mean, it's even harder now, but at the time it started getting more hard because there was just more regulations and more rules to abide by. And Honestly, people at the time back then were kind of decreasing their milk intake or their dairy intake too. So the dairy industry just kind of fell apart. Before it really fell apart, my grandpa decided to sell all the dairy cows and he bought a ranch out in New Mexico. So with that ranch, it's all beef and it's still there. My my uncle uh, actually raises all those cattle now. Wow. With, along with my cousins. And out there, it's crazy but with the amount of money you can buy a piece of property because he has, it's a 22,000 acre ranch that has, it's most of it's BLM. So like other hunters and whatnot can go on there, but yeah. he runs cattle on 22,000 acres. Oh, wow. But it's like from California to New Mexico, the land is so different that they can run out there. They don't run as much cattle that they can run here because we have more grass and whatnot. But there's still a lot of cows out there that they run. So anyway, that's kind of like a backstory. So my grandpa sold all the dairy cows and then just went full beef. And he, him and my grandma were going back and forth between California and New Mexico, just kind of managing the ranches and whatnot. And then my dad and his brothers and his sister kind of managed everything else. 
So that's kind of how things are kind of trickled down. And then growing up too, I did 4-H and FFA, which I highly recommend if anybody has kids and is considering that, especially if you're a first generation rancher, it's a good way to like get your foot in the door and kind of learn as you go to with your kids. Absolutely. So I loved 4-H and FFA and my dad actually was not for it at all because he he was forced into doing that kind of stuff growing up. So it wasn't his, his gig and he used to complain about it all the time, even still. <laughs> so he was not up for it, but he let me raise a pig and then another pig. And then I ended up doing rabbits in high school because my husband's dad actually meat, r- raises meat pen rabbits. So I did rabbits too and I did sheep. But I never did steers because my dad, that was like the final straw right there. So <laughs> never got to do a steer, which I was sad about because that was one of my dreams. But I guess I'm kind of like going along with that at the moment. And then I met Bryce in high school. And I actually met him when I, not quite in high school. I was just getting into high school. It was the summer before. Where I live is a super tiny town. My, my graduating class was like 45 kids or so. And the whole high school was at the time maybe like 150 to 200 kids. Oh, wow. So it's super small. Everyone knows everybody and everyone knows everyone's business. <laughs> so before I even got into high school, Bryce found out who I was um, at a dance. It was a welcome freshman dance. Oh. And from then on, basically, we've been together. So that's how I met him. So we've been high school sweethearts. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I know everyone thinks that's like the cutest thing ever <laughs> because I guess we don't really see that very often. But you know what's funny about that? Is, is very common for the area that I live in, like Julian area, which is the town that I, I live at in Southern California. My dad's parents, so my grandparents on my dad's side, uh, met in high school at Julian. And then my parents met in high school, sort of. My dad was just out of high school. My mom was a freshman in high school. So they met kind of, you know, in high school range too. And my brother and my sister-in-law also. So it's just like in our blood, I guess. It just, you know. That's incredible. Find somebody. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I love it. So yeah. And everyone stay together. So Yay. I guess it works out up here. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing. <laughs> and then Bryce actually moved up to Julian when he was a kid. So he grew up most of his life in um, the country. But his like older sister and his parents, and he has a, another older brother who's not much older, two years older than him. They grew up in Del Mar area, which is like right on the beach, super pretty, super fancy now at the time, maybe not so much when they moved up here, but total 180. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce's parents just kind of wanted to get out of the city and get away from the freeways and whatnot. So they moved up here. So he's been here forever, basically grew up here as well. And then um, we went to college in San Diego both of us. We went to community college and I I ended up going to community college first because I was, I guess, asked to play soccer on one of the soccer teams down there. I played women's soccer. Oh, wow. So that's how I, I never really branched out to like ex- experiment with going to a bigger college because I, I always had the mindset that I wanted to do ag stuff or an animal type career or something, but I just never, I don't know. I just kind of like went with the flow at the time. So I played soccer at a community college, and then actually at that same community college, I found out that there was an animal health tech program. So with that, you get an associate's degree in animal health science, and I also took a test to get my RVT, which is a registered vet tech license. So I'm licensed to work as a vet tech, so that's kind of what I do as my side job. Well, actually, it's like my real job right now, but... (laughs) Maybe one day a side job. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I kind of ended up doing what I wanted. You know, back in hindsight, I wish I did go to a bigger college just because 
I like learning and I like the feel of having like an ag background right off the bat from like out of high school. But, you know, I just never really followed through with it. But anyway, and then Bryce went to SCSU, San Diego State for nursing. So we're both in the health care field. You could say he's with humans and I'm with animals. That's our kind of background. Then we got married literally like two weeks after we graduated school. We both graduated the same year. Got married two weeks later in June. And then that's where our wedding gift, our big fancy wedding gift comes out. My dad gifted us with 10 head of heifers. And so we're like, sweet, we're going to start this thing. And Bryce has always been into, he's always loved the idea of having the ranching lifestyle and living rule and you know, just kind of like having our own little herd. So we got it and we were so excited. So we went ahead and started like trying to keep up with our own records and trying to figure out what, what we wanted to do as our game plan for like our health program and how to get things going. We, we created our brand, which we just like sat on the couch for like weeks, just doodling <laughs> things on the, on a pen and pad paper. And uh, we came up with our fly and F, which I guess you can say it was it was inspired by my grandpa's brand, Aww. which I don't know if you know what a flying symbol is on a brand. Yeah. Or I'm sure there's other yeah there's like I'm sure there's other ways of like saying it because I don't know every every brand like little sign has like a different names in different areas I guess, right. but it's like the little like dash marks that are next to the symbol. So my grandpa's brand was a a flying seven on a lazy bar, which is kind of like a upside down S or like an S on its side. So I kind of like based it off of that and that's, we sent in three different brands that we liked and that was the one that came back. So FlyNF is what we got. Oh, it was meant to be. I guess it was meant to be. So we got the FlyNF and then we had our two boys, Warren and Wells and Warren's three and Wells is one and a half. And we're just kind of like, just getting our jump started, getting going for real now. And that's kind of like where we're at. So that's it. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm so just impressed and blown away with your family history in this and coming over into the States from basically the beginning. I love that. That is so inspiring. And what a neat history behind that and how cool to be able to honor that and continue that on yourself as this generation of your family and then be able to do that with your family you created. I absolutely admire that. That's impressive and just inspiring. It's incredible. Yeah. I I just like love the idea too. So I don't know. It just makes my heart happy. So I'm happy with where we're at here. You need to write a book. <laughs> just your, oh my God. your story alone to this point. I'm like, this gal needs to write a book. This is great. Oh my God. Maybe one day when my kids are in school or something. Right. As if you need another project <laughs> I'm bored. right now. Oh God. I know. I got my hands full, but I just like to keep going, you know? Yeah. One day just keep pushing time. through. <laughs> exactly. One foot in front of the other. Yeah, absolutely. You and Bryce have an incredible vision for your agriculture business. Will you share with us your dream of combining beef and brews? Yeah. So Bryce has always been into the beer thing, but, and I've always been into the beef thing. So it's kind of like merging the two together. But this year for our steers, we have six steers this year that are going to be ready to be processed this summer. So. With that being said, we just kind of like have been doing more research and whatnot and contacting USDA processors, which let me tell you is super duper hard in our area. Oh my God. So I've been like on the phone talking with different slaughter facilities, different ranches that are doing the same thing, just kind of like networking and brainstorming and trying to figure all that stuff out. So that's kind of in the works. So with the USDA thing and everything, I also like found myself interested in butchering. I actually went to a butcher class. It wasn't for beef, but it was for pigs. 
And it was super cool. It was very like intimate and it was in San Diego, which is kind of funny. But anyway, I went, I went down there with a, a, a friend of mine who's also interested in it. And we learned a lot with that. And I don't know, I just like really like all that background and like learning about everything. And I just want to know as much as I can about the product, the end product, so I can basically tell the story from the get-go and like understand the story from the get-go. Yeah. With that being said, I just kind of think that like there's a huge disconnect with our food and I want to bring it back. And I just want to bring like have like the rancher to consumer relationship strong and like build a trust on it because I feel like it's something that's been lost. So that's kind of where I'm at with the beef thing. And then as for the beer, we've been doing the research on feeding our steers and whatnot. And we came across spent grain as being a good source of like protein and wet brewer's grain actually lacks a little bit of calcium and potassium, which is important for growth performance. So it's just important to make sure that you are supplementing with other feedstuffs or feed sources for the cattle. But it's also a very like sustainable way of feeding your livestock. I mean, it's not just cows, you can feed pigs or chickens or anything else that can tolerate it, but it has good amounts of protein, fiber, and energy, which is especially important in a ruminant diet. And then when I started doing that research, it brought back some stuff with our whole like brewing dream because a few years back, Bryce was trying to get a beer thing going with his brother. His brother actually has a beer company right now, but Bryce has always had like a little passion for that. And also San Diego is, I don't know if you know this or if anybody else knows this, but San Diego is the number one craft beer capital in the U.S. I did not know that. That's so cool. Beer is a wow. huge deal here. It's just like kind of a cool way of bringing like our local agriculture together and reusing it, recycling it in a sustainable manner. I think that's a good way to promote beef too. And it provides a good product and a good end product. So I think that's something that it's a good story to tell. And people are into that kind of stuff and into learning about it. And people don't don't really realize you know, the different ways of you can, how you can get about feeding your livestock. Back to Bryce, he, he worked as a brewer actually at a local brewery up in Julian. And he always had that passion for the beer business. And so he had a dream kind of separate from his brother. And his brother was a little bit involved, just like kind of like guiding him a little bit to utilize our property. Cause we used to grow hay on the ranch. I don't know, 20 years ago, plus probably more than that. I don't know, maybe 30 (laughs) years ago. And I don't know. We just always, we have pasture land that was, is suitable for it. And when we were doing research on barley, which is one of the core uh, grains that are used in brewing beer, it's a very hardy grain that can grow up here. So we were dreaming up that having a, a separate entity from his brother beer wise. And our way of getting into that would be possibly growing our own barley or our own grain to produce beer. And also I don't know. Bryce and I are really big on just having like a very sustainable way of doing this business because that's like a big thing that people are, you know, kind of like hounding down the the beef industry or just livestock industry in general that we're being cruel to the environment, which in my opinion, I think that we are like the big environmentalists of the world right now because we're we do all these backbreaking work to make it work and make, you know, make the land right and make everybody happy and produce food for, for everyone. So I just think that's an important thing for us, in my opinion. So that's something that I really want to like make the fullest potential with, I guess you could say. But anyway, I just want to, I guess like the whole sustainability thing, I just want to like turn like useless byproducts that are not going to be used for anything else 
and turning it into beef or to for food for people. I love how you're wanting to combine the two things. Like everything you were talking about in there is what a great way to be sustainable, like you were talking about. That's incredible. And then combining your passions and your family history along with Bryce's passions. And I think that's a fantastic, all-around, well-balanced business model to be able to fully utilize. It's like a full circle, you know, with the brewery and your spent grains and then into your beef and producing wholesome product that way. I just, I love that. And you're eliminating waste and being sustainable. And it's such an amazing way that you guys found to combine the two. And I can't wait to see how this journey continues along. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, something else to like kind of point out too, is having a diversity in the area too is huge. San Diego is just like, I mean, you can grow a lot of things in San Diego, but what San Diego doesn't have from my knowledge is grain production at all you know like that's mostly like midwest stuff or even like up north too people are growing grain and whatnot for you know for feed I just think it's like important for land management too and properly like rotating pastures and like growing different things in different areas and like switching it up it's just like good for the land and it's just a good way to keep the land viable and thriving and ultimately long term wise like five ten year plan maybe not even five years I don't even know (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen next year, but um, we want to like add more diversity to the ranch and more, you know, more livestock, more like plant life, more trees, fruit trees, kind of like make everything work together and just, I don't know. Have you ever heard of the the documentary, The Biggest Little Farm? I was just going to say that. I'm like, this reminds me of this documentary. I was going to ask you if you watched it. That was fascinating to watch that. And I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, this reminds me a lot of that. And I absolutely admire that because I think that's a fantastic way to utilize the land that we're the caretakers of with diversity. Exactly. Yeah, I highly recommend if anyone has not seen that documentary, it's a very inspirational documentary. And I will admit, definitely inspired Bryce and I to do kind of more of what all these other things that we're trying to add in on it. But it's just like, it's super cool how nature works. And if you work with it and do it right, you can make it super awesome and super functional. You know, it works out. Absolutely. I love how in that, you know, in that documentary, the way they were talking about it and what you're trying to model with your ranch as well is how many, just by these different aspects working together, how it eliminates a lot of the common problems that we see within operations. And that was really a fascinating point to watch that in that documentary. It was very eye-opening. Totally. Yeah. Definitely a must-see. So another crazy thing, you were talking about how San Diego is the biggest microbrew capital in the U.S., right? Yeah. No, no grains there. So they're shipping almost all of them in. Is that accurate? Well, I guess so. I don't, I don't know where they really get it. I, I should have asked um, Bryce's brother. He would know because he orders that kind of stuff. But yeah, they ship it in from I don't know where. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's not, not local. No. I imagine you would see plenty of those fields of that. How interesting, though. That's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. It is. Okay. So let's talk ranching in San Diego. I'm really excited to hear more about this. I (laughs) lived in Sonoma Valley for a bit growing up. So I'm no stranger to how vast California's agriculture industry is, but San Diego, I have to hear more on this because I'm like, what I picture San Diego is like you talked about the Del Mar area with the racetrack and the beaches and you just like California surfing beach time. And then we're talking ranching. So piece this together for me. I'm excited to learn more about this. Exactly. Yeah, you hit it on the point there. Um, basically, you don't really imagine cows in San Diego. No. You you think about the beach and hanging out in your bikini and whatnot. But yeah, there are some little secret gems out here. I'm about an hour northeast of San Diego. 
like the downtown city, San Diego. Okay. Yeah, it's a super diverse climate because there's, I mean, it goes from the beach to the mountains. Like the beach, it's, it'll be 75 degrees at the beach and it's like 60 degrees up in the mountains wow. or 50 degrees up in the mountains or could have snow-capped mountains and whatnot. So very different climate. It's nice to have that. There's 56 microclimates in San Diego. Wow. So that's basically meaning like there's, there's a lot of small little pockets that you can grow different types of crops. San Diego is not really known for livestock, but definitely a pro-ag type of county just because we have a lot going for us or we can grow so many different types of things here. There's there's actually 400 varieties of crops that can be grown in San Diego County. Wow. Yeah. And with that being said, farmers have to be pretty innovative to make their businesses work down here because it is a hard industry anyway. Like we just talked about, it's not something that you imagine when you think about San Diego. So a lot of the farmers down here actually will open up like farm to table grocery stores or farm to table restaurants, give tours and whatnot, just kind of like bring it to life and bring it up to the table for the general public to kind of connect with. And San Diego County is actually kind of big, which I don't know if people really realize it's about the size of Connecticut. Okay. So there's a lot of like I was talking about before, it's just a lot of different climates and different different sources and whatnot to provide a good ecosystem for everything. Crop-wise, what San Diego is known for right now are ornamental trees and shrubs or indoor cut flowers. I don't know. Oh, have wow. you ever heard of the Carlsbad flower fields? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like super beautiful, but San Diego is just kind of known more for like ornamental things and pretty flowers. Avocados are huge here. Tomatoes, cactus and succulents. Citrus is huge too. Oranges and lemons and strawberries and the only thing that is somewhat related to animals are eggs are on the list too okay um, I think there's two billion chickens in San Diego so wow. a whole, there's a lot of eggs here <laughs> there's lots of egg farms <laughs> oh my gosh that's crazy yeah and then I was doing a little bit of research on this too because I was interested because we went I'm part of the San Diego cowbells which is a local cattle women club oh fun yeah, and we were talking, I had a meeting last week and we were talking about this topic because we we're kind of like, beef needs to be on the list. Like, why is beef not on the list? And the, the older ladies were kind of like, beef was on the list. Like, why are we not on the list anymore? And I'm just like, ladies, there's so many new people moving here. San Diego is a beautiful place. There's a reason why they call it America's finest city. Yeah. That's the, our motto or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, developers buy out all these little ranches and whatnot or these little farms because there's no way you can say no to millions of dollars when you're not going to make that in your lifetime. Yeah. So a lot of those cattle producers that don't have kids to pass it down to or don't or not like making enough profit or whatever the case may be or selling to these developers and it's kicking out some of those bigger livestock. And I mean, cows take up a lot of space, you know, so. Yeah. So we were kind of talking about that at the meeting and the older ladies were like, we need to get beef back on the list. And so that I was like, I need to look that up to see if we were ever on the list. I don't know if they're just making it up or what, but we were. We were on the list from the night from 1940s and 1960s. Beef was in the top five wow. of that top 10 list. So I was just like, wow, that's crazy. And what's funny about that, too, is I have a picture somewhere. I need to find it. My grandma actually grew up on a pretty famous ranch in, I think it's in San Diego. I'm pretty sure it's like. It's somewhere by the beach because there's pictures of cows on the beach. Oh, wow. It's just like a wild picture to see. Like there were cows on the beaches of San Diego at one point. (laughs) Puts a whole new spin to Cowabunga. (laughs) 
yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I'll have to find that picture. But yeah, so I guess, you know, it just kind of like, it's just life. And, you know, it's just the way it is. And you kind of have to do what you got to do to make it work. It's kind of sad. But yeah, it's just the way it is. Land's expensive here, you know, and yeah, not only is it expensive to buy, but it's expensive to lease. And it's just really, really difficult for people to make it work. I believe it. Yeah, because you got so many people moving in. And I grew up in Nevada for a little bit and we had a lot of folks coming over into the Carson Valley and buying up a lot of the ranches and just it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. place to live. And like you said, these developers come in offering millions of dollars for these prime pieces of property and that's hard to say no to. And so obviously Nevada is not near as big of a population as California, but it is sad to see these ag lands disappearing as people are more and more removed, you know, each generation removed from the farmer ranch and It is sad to see that, but I admire that you guys are in San Diego and you're doing such a unique thing, like such a niche market, what you're wanting to do with both the brewery and your beef. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. And like I was saying before, I think that's something you have to do in order to make it work. You can't just do one. You can't just do beef. You have to like kind of incorporate other avenues and other aspects to make it all function together because there's just no way in this area to make it work, which is fine by me because I kind of like all these different little things. I like learning about, I've been thinking about pasture-raised chickens or or doing like pasture-raised rabbits, which is a weird one, but yeah, another story. But anyway, (laughs) I like different, just different things you can do to, you know, pique interest and also benefit your business all around, you know? Absolutely. So what are winters like for you in San Diego County? Up here where we live, it's very mild, especially compared to Montana. (laughs) But like our big snows and where our ranch is, we're a little bit lower elevation than where the bigger mountains are. We're at about 3,500 feet, I think. Okay. So with that, I I guess we just get maybe, I mean, like a good snow is like eight inches. It's like, oh my God, there's so much snow, you know? (laughs) And then everyone... I'm not even joking you. People from Mexico come up here, Funny. which is great for our our small town, but like people flood Julian or they like, it's like candy up here when it snows. Wow. So usually when it snows, I don't go anywhere. I stay home. And especially a lot of people just don't respect, like don't understand trespassing, Ugh. which is a whole nother topic, but holy cow, you want to talk about yeah. Disneyland madhouse type stuff. Oh, no. People will come up here cut. They'll cut fences. They'll load up the back of their trucks with snow. They'll build snowmen in your front lawn. It's just wild. Like we've had, we've had people do some pretty funny things on our, on our property. And my dad is not, uh, if you ever met my dad, he is the stereotypical grumpy old (laughs) cowboy that doesn't leave his house ever. (laughs) We've had some funny encounters with the tourists or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) Oh no, that is awful. Yeah. I'll tell a little side story. There was one time. Well, when it snows, there's no feed for the cows. So we got to feed the cows every time it snows. Yeah. Uh, before we moved up to the ranch that we're at now, we lived in Julian and we had cattle there too. So we'd feed those cows and then we'd leave and go up to the ranch up in Mesa Grande, which is about about maybe a 10 minute drive or whatnot from um, the town of Julian. So we drove up there and this was in high school, I think, or just out of high school maybe because Bryce was there and my brother and his wife um, and at the time they were dating. So we all went up to the ranch to go help my dad. We're out feeding and we went to one pasture and there was a little family building a snowman in the middle of the pasture. And my dad was just like fired up. He was like ready to like, I don't even know. And so we drive up to this family. My dad's like, 
what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're just building a snowman. And my dad's like, did you not see the trespassing signs? There's literally a huge trespassing sign right when you drive in here because it's just a cattle guard, you know, like anybody can drive in there. It's It's an easement road. So um, he's like, there's a sign that says no trespassing. They're like, oh, well, we know the people up in, you know, Angel Mountain, blah, blah, blah. And my dad was just like, leave. You need to go. And there was like two little kids and a mom and dad. And they're like, okay, we're so sorry. They were super nice and apologetic and whatnot. And they jump in their car. And my dad runs over their snowman with our Polaris like eight times. And I'm just like dying. I'm like, oh, my God. These poor little kids probably think we're psychopaths. Yeah. And so, you know. Things like that. So people just do some silly things in the snow up here. It turns people a little wild. Ranchers and tourists (laughs) alike. It makes everyone crazy. Yeah, it makes everybody wild. That's like hunting season for us. When it's hunting season here, everyone is trespassing on everybody's property. We had so many trespassers. And in Montana, Mm -hmm. you know, we have just under 100 acres. And here, that's like, that's a joke compared uh-huh. to how big some of these other ranches are. However, we still had a huge issue with trespassers coming through. It blows my mind how these people try and rationalize it. And yeah. It's like, no. And even our neighboring ranchers have had some issues, a lot of issues with people coming through. So we don't have a whole lot of tourists out here in the boonies, yeah. but we do have the I hunters totally that come in from that. everywhere. And you're right. They cut fences, they hang out on your property, hike right through it, drive through it. It's crazy. Yeah, they just have no idea. I think the problem is like people just don't realize it. They just see open land and they think it's open land. They don't realize it's private property. You know what I mean? Especially in San Diego. So I always used to tell people like, would you like it if I just like rolled out a blanket on your front porch and had a picnic and then got mad at you for kicking me off your porch? Exactly. And they're like, what? And I'm like, that's exactly what you're doing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just a lot bigger <laughs> on a bigger scale. So yeah, it's just kind of funny. But anyway, so winters are mild. Yeah. Uh, other than the other tourists. Than the tourists. <laughs> but interesting, you guys still get, you do get quite a bit of snow up there. I mean, eight inches, is pretty, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, yeah, eight inches is a lot, but like on an, on average, I would say like three inches or a dusting, you know, it's nothing crazy from where we live up in Julian, they get more, but yeah, it's enough to feed the cows so that they are full and happy. Exactly. Okay, so now for something that has not been brought up yet on this podcast, and we've already touched on it a little bit, but let's talk all about your barley crop and the malting process. Will you share with us your experience thus far in starting this new venture? Yes, I will. So um, as I kind of mentioned before, Bryce has always been very intrigued with the brewing industry and the brewing business, and him and his brother have just dreamt up ideas and whatnot. After having conversations with Bryce's brother, Brandon, Bryce started learning about growing barley. And as I mentioned before, too, we had been growing hay on the ranch years ago. So it was already pre-irrigated, but who knows what it really looks like underground. So Bryce started doing some research about barley. We also planted a hop yard, which was quite the event when we first built it. But <laughs> basically, we um, we get a lot of, I don't know why, I don't know if this is like a normal ranching thing, but we just inherit telephone poles from telephone companies or from I don't know why, but we use telephone poles to like make this fancy hop yard and whatnot. So we planted a hop yard and Bryce and his brother collected yeast cultures from blackberry bushes and elderberry bushes on the ranch. So we're like, basically Bryce's whole idea is to provide every single resource he could that we had to brew beer with on the ranch and just have it on one location. Wow. So that's something that's nothing like nobody in San Diego is doing that. And I don't know if anybody 
anywhere else is doing that. I'm sure there's somebody that's thinking about doing that or maybe is doing that, but it's something that is just kind of unique and different. And I think Bryce and Bryce is just into that, all that kind of stuff. So it's like a fun project for him. It's just something that kind of makes us stand out yeah. apart from other craft breweries in San Diego. And I don't know if I mentioned before, but there's 150-ish craft breweries that have popped up in San Diego. So wow. there's quite a bit and nobody can do replicate something like that. So it's something that would definitely kind of stick out a little bit. And then also with the barley crop, barley's really drought resistant in San Diego or well, California in general goes up and down with the drought thing. So yeah. um, it's something that will be able to survive up here. I think we get like 10 to 30 inches of rain a year, which will make the barley grow without having to provide the irrigation, which was something that, wow. you know, was on the table. Like, do we have to repair the irrigation system or what? But it can just kind of grow naturally in a way. That's kind of where it started was just kind of doing the research and talking with Bryce's brother, Brandon, and figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. So it was a lot of like investigation work at the beginning. And then it came to figuring out harvesting. So we ended up planting it and, and all that. Uh, we never sprayed it for weeds. We didn't know we had to, but we had tons of weeds the first year, which kind of was a bummer. So it was just a lot of trial and error, just like anything else. Like I was saying, we try to figure out how to harvest everything. So most places that are harvesting grain have a combine. And you're not going to find a combine anywhere around San Diego. <laughs> so <laughs> Bryce was trying, like, going on Craigslist. He was on, I don't know, Tractor Trader online trying to figure out how am I going to get a combine. And those things are so expensive. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to just buy a combine. So <laughs> Bryce found this combine in, let me see, he wrote it down for me, Illinois. Pretty sure he found this combine in Illinois. Wow. And it was a 1959 Alice Chalmers. Chalmers. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. If there's someone listening <laughs> and they're like, that's not what it is. But anyway, Alice Chalmers, I think is how you pronounce it. And that's a funny story because he bought this thing online and he negotiated a deal with the people that were selling it. I think they just wanted to get rid of it because he got it for pretty inexpensive. Basically, it costs more to ship the thing over here than to buy it. <laughs> so we got this combine and it showed up one day and the guy who delivered it was like, this is so cool. Like, are you going to use it as like a lawn ornament or is it going to be, you know, a decorative piece on your property? And we're like, no, we're going to use it. And he's just looking at us like, uh, okay, because it literally looks like a beast of a machine and it's like rusty and falling apart like there's pieces of wood on it Funny. for how it functions like it's literally like something out of a history you know book or something so we had this beastly combine that came to the ranch and oh my um, gosh. yeah so that's a whole funny story and then my brother or, uh, I'm sorry my dad and my uncle and Bryce were working on this combine for weeks and weeks and weeks and they finally got the thing rolling and it seriously it like shakes and moves like something like if you're watching like those old school, like black and white tapes that are like, oh, yeah. like, yeah, that's what it looks like in real life. <laughs> so <laughs> it's this big old loud thing that harvests our grain. So we ended up using it and it worked. It, it did oh have a couple gosh. little hiccups and stuff, especially with all the, the um, weeds that we had growing up the first year, but we got the grain. So it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So that's, oh the, that's the funny combine story. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. And how many, and remind me how many acres you did your first year again? 
Um, the first up? year, I think it was like five acres. It wasn't okay. huge, yeah. but um, it was enough to kind of experiment with. So yeah, the first year we actually did barley and we did wheat. So we did two okay. and we had them in the same field. And that was another thing that we were kind of like, oh, like total learning process because the barley grew up a lot quicker than the wheat. So anyway, we were just kind of like experimenting with everything. With everything. But ever since then, we've just been doing mostly straight um, barley. Okay. So after we harvested everything, we had to figure out how to malt it, which is another process that Bryce has been diligently researching and and whatnot. He basically has just been looking online on YouTube or homebrew blogs. Also, there's a lot of, or it's very limited on literature to find how to malt grain. It's just not something people really do. I don't know if it's just like a big secret or what, but it was really hard to, <laughs> to find out how to malt this grain. So Bryce was just basically like, you know, mostly YouTube and homebrew blogs is what how he learned how to do it. And it just kind of was an experiment from then on. And we, I think our first crop of barley was about four years ago. So it's been like a, a learning process for four years, but it's kind of been weird too, because I've had two kids in those four years. So we've been kind of like juggling everything. So it's like, it'd be like on, like kind of on hold for a while and then back and on hold and, and back. Anyway, we got the process dialed in enough that we were able to produce some malt. And we brewed that first batch of malt of beer with Bryce's brother. And yeah, so we actually enjoyed one of those beers the other day and it's really good. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Bryce's brewery, like I said, there's so many different like markets and so many different craft breweries in San Diego or just in Southern California in general. He's actually up in Santa Ana, which is like LA area. Okay. But he does his specialty or kind of what their brewery is known for is for farmhouse ales, which is like, have you ever had like a sour or tart beer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like his style. So the the beer that one of the beers, I don't know if they've brewed, brewed more than just that one, but the beer that we had the other night, super delicious. It tastes like I don't even know, like a fruit punch or something. It's so good. Ooh. But anyway, aside from that, we just kind of, like I said, we kind of took a break from it, especially last year because I had my second son. And then Bryce is also a full-time ER nurse. Wow. So he's very busy. So, and I was talking about earlier, I did all this research about doing the spent and grain thing for our cattle and like giving it to our cattle. And I was contact. there's so many craft breweries around here. There's got to be people that are just like getting rid of it, you know? Yeah. So I contacted a few and a lot of, of most of them are already getting them picked up by livestock producers, which is awesome. But I'm like, well, where am I going to get this stuff? So then that's kind of where I'm like, Bryce, we need to start malting again and we need to start brewing our beer again because I want to feed the malt to our or feed the spent grain to our cows. And he's like, OK, let's do it. <laughs> so then we started. And also we had some local breweries contact us and we're kind of like, hey, where's what happened to that malt that you guys are doing? And we're like, yeah. We need to get back on that wagon. I yeah. mean, it's super cool and it's super, it, I'm really into it too. So I was like, you know what, Bryce, we're going to do it. And you're going to teach me how to do it because I know you're so busy. I mean, he doesn't have the time to sit there and like do, it's kind of particular uh, if you can tell on my Instagram stories and I'm learning, yeah. I'm totally at the beginning stages. So it's very new to me too. I'm no expert at all. So we're all learning together. I love how you're tracking this in your Instagram stories. It's been so fun following along and your, your husband was sick, right? And he was kind of telling you how to do this just verbally. Yes, that's yes. Because <laughs> literally the first, the first batch that we wanted to do was just before Christmas. It was like maybe a week before Christmas. And I'm like, okay, we can start it. And he came down to the, we are doing it in the old milk barn, which is where the old dairy cows used to be. We have it all set up and cleaned up and whatnot. And he 
was kind of teaching me how to do the beginning steps of it. And so first day he helped me out next day, or you know what? I'm sorry, backtrack a little bit. It was literally two days before Christmas, I think we started it. Oh, wow. And I had to work on Christmas Eve. So I did the barley with Bryce the, the two days before. And then I worked on Christmas Eve. And when I came home, he was dead on the couch. And oh. both the kids were home too. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Because we're going to go to his sister's house for you know all the holiday festivities and whatnot. And he was sicker than a dog. So I'm like, okay. And that's what started it because he's like, you need to go turn the grain or you need to go stir up the grain and whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to figure this out, you know? So I would just be like, so what do I have to do? How, how often do I need to go do this? And so anyway, he's just been, he was like verbally telling me what to do on his deathbed. Oh no. (laughs) And so that's how I started. I'm like, okay, well, I guess you learn by doing. So now I'm kind of doing it by myself a lot of the times now because now he's like okay you got this you've done it once by yourself maybe it was a total trick on his on his part I don't know (laughs) but um so yeah I'm learning a lot to say the least awesome yeah and right now we are doing our second batch the first batch that we malted we got about 130 pounds worth of malt and according to Bryce we need about 300 to 400 pounds so we gotta keep going until we get that much I guess once that's all done with our malt, once we have all of our malt finished, our game plan is to work with the local brewery up in Julian, brew a beer with them. Because that was the original brewery that Bryce actually had a job at. And we have close connections with them up there. And they were like, yeah, bring up that malt. Let's, let's, let's brew something. Let's, let's work together. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a brewer, rancher, slash mom, slash RVT, slash who knows what else, author, I guess. <laughs> so... So yeah, it's just one of those other things that are added on to the agenda. So um, I'm really excited about that, though. I'm I'm intrigued with all that stuff as well. So it's going to be cool. I'm so impressed with how you're juggling all this. You guys have your plates full, but it's so neat just to be able, I love how you're sharing out on Instagram because then you just get to watch this unfold and you're handling it so well. I'm really impressed with everything you guys are striving for in your operation. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a lot to handle, but you know, like I I like being busy. If I'm sitting around, I'm bored. I'm going crazy. So as long as I'm busy and as long as I'm not overwhelmed, I'm, I'm totally good. So yeah, it works out. Absolutely. And as if you didn't already have all this other stuff we've talked about, your blog is also incredible. I love reading the posts. I mean, your posts are informative. They're so fun to read. So I would love to hear how this came to be and the why behind the Flying F Ranch Wife blog. Yeah. So basically what started the blog thing actually was the Cowbells group that I'm a part of that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I'm a, the publicity slash social, social media chair. They asked me to do that, I think like two years ago. And I think it's just because I'm young and I'm kind of tech savvy-ish. I don't think I am, but I am compared to the older ladies, I guess. <laughs> So they're like, you're going to be the social media person. And it first started out with Facebook. They had a Facebook page that you can like and whatnot. So I just started off with that first. And then I had a friend who is very tech savvy and also a fellow cowbell. And she was she was telling me, you know, you should really look into getting an Instagram account for the cowbells. And I was like, okay. So then I brought it up at one of the meetings and they approved it. And so I started Instagram. So I was kind of dabbling in between Instagram and Facebook. And then that same girl that is uh, a member was like, you know what? You should also make a website. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know where to begin to make a website. She's like, it's so easy. I do it for my business. It's, it's you know, super like user friendly. 
and you can totally do it. You're so, you, you can do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll make a website. <laughs> so I, I brought it up at the next meeting and they're like, okay, sure. And at the time I was like, I brought it up at the meeting. I was like, you know, I have so much going on. Is there anybody that would want to help me make it? And everyone was like, no, you can do it. And I was like, and also right now I'm actually sitting in a parking lot at the local grocery store. Oh, funny. I have no internet at my house. So I'm sitting in my husband's truck at the pie shop at the pie company. So that was another problem. I'm like, I don't have internet to, to make a website, you know, like I'm not going to sit in my car with my two kids and try to make a website. And oh a couple, a couple of the ladies are like, "Oh, come on over. We'll play with the kids, and we'll make it work." And da da da. Basically, no one wanted to make a website, and I just approved it. So I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll figure it out." So eventually, I made this website, and it was easy to make, and it was totally user friendly. I'm like, "Okay, this isn't that bad." Me personally, I just like sharing my journey. People think it's interesting, especially like my city friends and stuff. They're like, they are blown away by some of the stuff that we do up here and the cows and everything it's like a completely different world I'm like an alien to them <laughs> so I was like I'll, I'll share my uh, maybe I'll make a blog and I'll share my journey and then along with that too especially with the cowbells like I'm very into the beef advocacy aspect of the cattle industry I learned a lot with my cattle women club I wanted to share that with other people because I really feel like there's a disconnect there and I really feel like people just don't understand and don't have the information to go off of. So I wanted to like share that with people and mostly my friends, but it's reached out to other random people I don't even know and people that appreciate it and just have learned something. So I, I use that as something that I can help educate people, just kind of like share the journey, share, you know, the ranching heritage. It's still alive and well. It's not a dead industry. And that's kind of where it kind of started. And then it's just like my little storytelling space. And I, I just kind of enjoy doing it. It's a fun hobby for me. So that's kind of my why behind it. <laughs> I love that. And your dedication. Um, first of all, thank you for your dedication for sitting in your grocery store parking lot to do this with me today. <laughs> I really appreciate I that. I know that's the oh, hard you're part. Welcome. In, t- in today's world, you have to have internet for almost everything. And it's really hard to do, especially living in rural communities. It's like, you don't always oh get the gosh. best internet service. No, it's so terrible. Like, I tried getting a, a landline for my house and it was a complete like mess because nobody really has landlines anymore. So I kind of gave up on that because I can't even talk on the phone. Like I have to stand at one spot next to my window in order to like talk to anybody. And even then I sometimes don't connect with them or I'm really spotty and whatnot. So yeah, we just come to the, we just come to the grocery store to talk on the phone or to get on the internet if we need to. <laughs> oh, I love so, it. Oh, Yeah. There's got to be one day that they're going to have like some crazy internet satellite that everyone's going to have equal internet. But no kidding. Now right? is not the time. Yeah. yeah. Now we just sit and wait patiently. <laughs> yeah. I just sit in my parking lot patiently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So, you know, this is one of my favorite to ask as it's always encouraging to hear everyone's answer on this. So what would be your best piece of advice to someone wanting to be a part of the agricultural industry in today's world? So I would say the best piece of advice I can give is to get involved with your local cattlewomen's association or cattlemen's association. There's so many out there and people just don't realize it. And even the Farm Bureau too, if you have a local Farm Bureau, that's huge also just to keep in contact with other agricultural entities in the area. Yeah. Um, And plus that's a good way to network and it's a good way to communicate with other like-minded people who 
share the same passions as you. And a lot of those people are totally eager to share, you know, their advice and to share their, you know, their story and their background and whatnot. And it's always like really refreshing to hear that from people. I mean, I'm learning all the time too. Yeah. So it's just like a good way to stay connected and stay up to date with things that's going on in the ag community. I, I really feel like even now, and I know things are changing, but ag in general is a very male dominated industry. And I think, I mean, I grew up with it being like that. And that's just the way it is, at least for my family and whatnot. Yeah. I just don't let that discourage me. And I don't think it should discourage anybody else. That's a lady who wants to go get it and just be in the industry and, you know, just be a part of it all. So I think it's something like if you can connect with like-minded women that are into it and know a lot about it, it's a really great way to, to start out and just to make those connections. And I think it's like a new generation and times are changing for sure. So if we just keep the ball rolling and, you know, stay connected and stay informed and just, you know, network with those type of people, it's going to be very beneficial for you in long term. And I also think like with that being said, it educates you and you start to like figure out, you know, you know your facts and it's fun to share that with the general public and open eyes to people because people just all the time will say, oh, I didn't know that about cows or I didn't know that there was ranching still around here. It's just something that people don't really like realize. I do think that there's a need for new farmers and ranchers to change the industry for the better. By doing that, you can be innovative and creative, especially in the area that I'm here, but just all over the place. If you can like figure out how to be diverse and to make things work in a creative way and kind of stand out, that's going to help you in the long term too. So that would be my advice for people for sure. I love that, Allie. That was so beautifully put. And that's great advice. I think there's a lot of support in those groups. And then with the Farm Bureau and your local cattlewoman or Cattlemen's Association, there's a lot of great resources there. And then it's also strengthening your community, you know, because then you're going to have the support mm-hmm. of your community. And I love the way you put that. That was great advice. And I think that's really helpful for a lot of folks, especially, you know, most of this audience is people who are aspiring to get into ranching or farming or their first generation mm-hmm. or maybe their second generation yeah. trying to keep it going or Mm -hmm. third, fourth, fifth, whatever. But no matter where you're at, that's a really important thing to be a part of those. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. And I would just say like, don't be intimidated by joining those clubs because I mean, I think farmers and ranchers have like that stereotype that they're kind of like hard and, you know, just don't really want to like share their life story, but just don't be intimidated by it because they are, you know, a lot of, I mean, me personally, like I love sharing this kind of stuff and a lot of people do like to share it. Yeah. So it's just something that, you know, get involved and put yourself out there and people will totally accept you for sure. If you have that same interest and show that drive that you want to learn more. You're absolutely right on that. Allie, this has been so much fun. This whole conversation, I've absolutely enjoyed it. And for everybody listening in, where can they go to learn more about you and Fly F Ranch? Well, you can check out the blog, and that is flyinfranchwife.com. And it's no G at the end of flyin. It's just flyinfranchwife.com. Also, Instagram is the same, flyinfranchwife, with underscores in between the spaces. You can also find me on Facebook and Pinterest, also under flyinfranchwife. Thank you, Allie. This has been just a blast. And everybody tuning in, make sure you go give her a follow on both of those platforms and then check out her website for her blog. The posts are incredible. I absolutely love reading through them. And for somebody who has limited access to internet, I have to say you're rocking it on being consistent because you've always got great content coming out and it's so fun to follow along on your journey. Oh, uh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been really fun to do. So 
I, I appreciate all the feedback and all the good vibes on it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Allie, so much for joining me today. Thank you, Logan. I appreciate you asking me to join you and do this whole thing. It's been really fun. Oh, absolutely.